Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Artichoke. This is episode 5. I am Luminous, and joining me are my two best friends from the greater Los Angeles County. <laughs> I, I, I like how you had to hesitate to think about that one. But yeah. We gotta change up the intro every week, you know? Okay. Mm-hmm. Alright, well, this is uh, Eosin. You know me already, so. Yeah, I'm Sheila. Welcome back. Welcome back indeed. We got another week of Artifact. And, uh, you know, this week, I to open things up on a very positive note, I discovered a website called isartifactdead.com. <laughs> mm. I got to say, the, the website is actually, like, pretty well designed in terms of, like, it looks aesthetically very pleasing. Mm. Yes. I can't say the content of it is really nice, but, you know, at least, uh, <laughs> I, at least I mean, we're honestly, having fun with it. The content is good too, right? It it does what it sets out to do, right? And it's mm. uh, it's there to create this comparison, and it does it very concisely. And you know, it, it's it's a well well made website. Not gonna lie. You know what this reminds me of? Uh, there's a Dota website. I think maybe seven eight years ago by Cyborg Matt called When Did EG Last Throw? Oh, was it Cyborg Matt who made that? I didn't know that. Was it Cyborg Matt? I assume it was Cyborg Matt. Cyborg Matt also had like a whole bunch of different meme messages. That's a that's yeah, a that's a that's, that's, a, that's a good sure. good meme as well. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, maybe Cyborg Matt make this one. I, I don't know. I'm just saying. I don't think. <laughs> that, but maybe I'll ask him about it. Anyway, guys, we're gonna have episode five of Artichoke, and today we're gonna do things a little bit differently since there hasn't been uh, too much new content or new information. Uh, we're gonna talk about the. There are some heroes that are in the game currently that don't see a lot of play, especially in Constructed. So we're going to see what we could do to, if we were the designer of the game, what we will do to make them better uh, while still keeping things balanced. And then we actually want to talk a little bit about the We Play Deckless. I know hmm. I did not prep my two co-casters. Yeah, uh, with thanks. This. I just kind of swapped this up uh, on them, <laughs> make sure that they're paying attention. Oh, yeah. So... I'm going to link you guys the deck list while I talk, but right. let's start with the, the hero idea. Um, this is actually inspired by a Reddit post. Somebody was saying that Viper was quite weak and quite underplayed. And they said that instead of Viper Strike, which currently says three mana green spell, modify a unit with on upkeep, it takes two damage, two, pi- two piercing damage. Yeah. yeah. And that's it, right? So they said, why don't you also give it Purge, which is kind of what Green Hero does. It allows you to tech against certain red decks that run Time of Triumph. And, you know, it's not too overpowered because Viper is underplayed. So this whole idea, I thought the I thought the change was pretty, pretty good to talk about and kind of inspire us to have this topic. Uh, what would we change about some of the other heroes? Um, but yeah, what what do you what do you think about the actual viper change that this redditor made? I I like his proposed idea. I th- I think it's like it's a very I wouldn't say it's a minor change, right? It would probably completely change how the game is played, but um or maybe it wouldn't. Who knows? Like who who knows how people feel about a change like that? But I I liked a, a change like that. You know, it's uh it turns a very a very dull hero just like in Dota, right? Viper is really dull in Dota. And you just add a little more to it. So he's like, he has more utility, right? It's not just a straight up, oh yeah, you just deal two damage, right? It's like, that's really kind of lame in my opinion. So I, I like it a lot. 
do you guys feel it's taking a little bit away from what Abaddon is currently doing? Because he also purchased, but nobody's playing him either. So. Yeah, I think it's fine. I think having more purge mechanics is pretty well, useful. Granted, we now have Jasper daggers that purges. So uh, the only thing is, this is for enemies as well. So yeah, there's there's kind of like a big difference between dealing two damage on upkeep and giving someone two armor, right? Yeah, giving your opponent two armor yes, while purging. While purging, yeah. yeah that's yeah. kind of different. So, I definitely like this uh, this type of a change for, for Viper. I don't think it really takes anything away from Abaddon. Since Abaddon is mostly... It's just like... They're, they're trying to make it like very themed towards uh, how they are in Dota, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. the Abaddon one is made that way because it's a very defensive hero, just like in Dota. So, Viper, you know, you go, you go the opposite direction. It's still kind of similar, but you get to do it on on your enemies right because it's not like you're gonna be it's not gonna be like hey my 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 hero is uh nasal good let me viper strike him right that's not that's not a thing right right so, <laughs> it's very different we're gonna talk about some of the heroes that are less played and then you know do do something uh, who wants to start i i got a couple of heroes on my table i know sheila's got a, a personally i think it's an amazing rendition of chen <laughs> I know. I'm just looking. Yeah. This is this is like Look, you know you know when you have school projects and you're just like you always have like that one person who basically does everything and then you have these two two other dudes who are just like kind of like yeah thanks for the A you know <laughs> whoa 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 okay hold on hold on hold on so recently I've been reading a lot of Harry Potter okay uh huh in our group in our group Sheila's definitely the Hermione Granger Thank right you. she Thank you. the overachiever she <laughs> takes yes. every project very seriously yes. Mm. Um, I will say that I'm kind of like the Harry Potter in terms of academics. Like, I kind of try a little bit to half-ass the job. Of course, uh, make yourself and, the main and character. I do a little bit. <laughs> of course. Yeah. What are you going to be like? You're going to be like, Steven, you're Ron. Yeah, you are Ron. You don't even do anything. You're like, oh, we had a paper. What is what is Ron supposed to – is Ron really that useless? No. Yes. No, no. Okay, Ron's got some redeeming qualities. He's always there for his friends. You know, he's a funny guy. And, uh, yeah. Well, that fits Steven pretty well. It actually it does. I, open to me. Or even know. dating. It's perfect. I mean, I have no sister for David to date, so. Yeah, that's true. We'll yeah. work on that. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Okay, let's let's start with uh, Sheila's rendition of Chen. Okay. So, Chen is somebody that I've always kind of taken issue with. Because he feels really useless for a very long time in the game. He literally sits there and it's just a green body. And I feel that um, he, if he doesn't have a passive that can affect the early game to make up for his very late game signature card, then he needs uh, a lower costing signature instead or something like that. So right now, Chen has an active called Holy Persuasion. It's a four turn CD. Okay. Uh, you get control of an enemy creep, kind of whatever. Then his no, no, not whatever. That's that, amazing. That's pretty good. That's, pretty that's good. amazing. Like I'm yeah. not impressed with it because of the CD. I think the CD is way too long. That's true. That's true. Because the, thing the CD is, is too long, but don't underestimate that ability. No, no, no. I mean that's fair, but in my opinion, if you're gonna be against, say, like red green ramp or any kind of ramp they're gonna get their emissaries and thunderhides and whatever out way before your cooldown's even gonna go off and by then they'll probably have multiple copies so if you get one big deal 
they already have their whole board set up. But the other card that uh, he has a signature Hand of God, seven mana, fully heals every ally in lane and gives allies damage immunity. Um, it's a very good card at resetting the board, but I don't know that I like it too much. It, it's nice because it kind of helps you buffer against, uh, again, ramp. I, I use ramp a lot as a example because I feel like that's where he should fit in um, in regards to like countering. But it doesn't feel like that great. Um, I, I just want to talk a little bit about Hand of God before we go on. Sure. I think it's a, actually a really powerful effect, especially against blue decks that are trying to use damage-based removal, like Thunderstorm, for example, yeah. or, I don't know, Thunderbox Wrath, or any cause, yeah. But the problem is the the premium removal, AOE removal currently is Annihilation, which yeah. does not care. Yeah, exactly. So I feel like if we exist in an alternate universe where, let's say, blue's AOE removal was deal 20 damage to everything on the board, if Annihilation said that, Right, suddenly I think Hand of God would actually see a lot more play. Yes, but we don't live in that universe. Yeah, so I, I just want to remind people that like Hand of God does do something, but it does not, not a lot. Yeah, and like he's the only green card that provides any kind of multi heal. You know, you only have Omni Knight who does like one single target, kind of little rinky dinky heal. Kind of you know helps in some cases, but overall it's whatever. Um, and Abaddon just heals himself. That's it. Only other way you kind of get healing within green is through regen um, for actual healing instead of just adding like yes. a flat health value. Um, but yeah, so biggest issue I have, like I Hand of God's not a bad card and I didn't necessarily want to get rid of it, but I just wanted to see what would be more interesting if we had a shorter um, monocost card. A faster card. 10. Yeah, basically a faster 10. Um and the issue I had with the CD, like, I wanted to compare him to, like, Tide and Lion. Because, like, Lion's old finger, it, you know, it's same issue. It's just, like, it, costs, it takes way too long to go into effect. It is better than a finger, um, in my opinion. But when you compare to Tide, who's starting to see a lot more play, uh, Tide also has, you know, a low-cost signature that's really, really good. And... Ravage has like a board wide effect that you know maybe RNG but still has a guarantee stun at least on the uh, opponent across and its neighbors. So I think it's a much better four turn CD ability. Anyway, right, on to my changes. So I want to change the active into another like Dota theme ability from Chen. Uh, it would be called Penitence, uh, two turn CD has a new ability called Slow, where target unit will attack last in combat phase. So the idea is that if you have a hero and the opponent has a hero across from it, you cast Penitence on the opponent, your hero will attack that uh, enemy first. So if they would initially trade, instead you'll kill them and you won't take any damage. Now, is this a until end of turn effect, or is this like a permanent modification? It would be until end of turn. Okay, not permanent just modification. Permanent would be too. Yeah, too permanent much. would I mean, be I, too broken, especially if uh, I put I'm on. Just making sure, because yeah, making sure. Yeah. So then the signature, um, I want to actually change to holy persuasion. So I thought about making it four mana cost, but I thought that would be too low. So I made it a five mana cost card. 
has the same thing where if you cast on enemy creep, you gain control of the unit. But if you cast it on the allied hero, it will send them back to fountain at the end of combat if no damage was taken. And I like this because it's kind of a thing that Chen does in Dota, or at least he used to. I think they took away his ability to send allies back to fountain. Oh, you can send them back. You still can? Yes, it's just not holy persuasion. It's oh. test of faith. Okay. Well, anyway. It was on holy persuasion. Yes, on yeah, sure. it, it was. Okay. Yeah. I'm not yeah. going too crazy. Um, but I like this because it provides like a synergy between his active and his signature card. Kind of like Skywrath, how Skywrath's concussive shot um, goes with his Mystic Flare. Right? Yeah. And I thought that it would just give Chen more early game power. And allow him to like help bulldoze in fights. I I love this change simply because there's a couple of reasons why I love it. Like the primary reason is that the ability synergizes with the card, mm-hmm. which is something that I always like to see. And a lot, I think a lot of the very well designed heroes have that. Yeah. So for example, I'm going to point to Enchantress, for example, right? It gives everybody armor, so they're very tanky, and then you regen them, so they're even healing above that. So like they they compound on each other on, on tankiness. Mm-hmm. A bad example of synergy would be Lion, um, where especially now they add a quicken. When you have a one turn cooldown on finger of death, that's great. You're a mana fifteen, but unfortunately, mana drain, which is signature card, becomes very bad at mana fifteen. <laughs> so it's, it's just like half the half the hero is good at one point, and half the hero is bad at one point. And I feel like this this hero does redesign like they just work together. Yeah. Um, but Steven, do you, do you feel like the the mana cost on Holy Persuasion is a bit too low, especially that it does two things? Yeah. Or it could do yeah. two things. Um, I think it's actually okay at five mana. Personally. Really? Yeah, I My... think it's okay because if you think about it, right? At five mana, that's turn uh turn three. Yeah. Uh, you're basically paying five mana to just make it so that you trade efficiently. That's it. Like, what if they did something to make it so that they don't die and then you end up trading? It doesn't. It means that you just wasted your card because it means mm-hmm. that you're going to take damage and you're no longer going back to the fountain. And if we're going to follow Sheila's um, card exactly, right? Basically, what it means is if she casts it, you bait out the spell and you do any type of damage to it before combat even begins then uh, mm-hmm. they, they get canceled anyways, right? Yeah. So it is very vulnerable in that, se- in that sense. And 5 mana take control of a creep. Usually at 5 mana, you know, you don't really have anything too big unless you're playing, you know, I don't know, Stonehall Elite, right? That's like one of the best things you can take care, take control of early on. And then uh, later towards the end of the game, you know, if you're up against a, another green player, for example, 5 mana to take over a Thunderhide, may- maybe it is a little too insane because... I mean, the, the way I was thinking about it is I would play the five mana take a creep straight up. Straight up, yes. Yeah. So I, I feel like when you add even more, because the other half of the card is also really, really yes, game breaking. Also right? very good. Yes. Being able to take a hero back, that's really strong, especially in green, which has issue moving their heroes around. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm actually happy to pay like six. All right. Here, here's here's a fix. Okay. Five mana if taking control. Six mana if using on ally. A dual cost card. Yeah. Oh, that's now we're going. Now we're getting <laughs> crazy. <Yeah. right? laughs> I mean, dude, there's no there's no end to the complexity, right? People are already complaining about how hard <laughs> how hard this game is. Right? You might as well add in a couple more things. Who cares? You know, the funny thing is sometimes people are complaining how simple the, some of the cards are. Yeah, know? yeah, exactly. Now you just go 
you go 180 on them. You're allowed to just add like a wall of text on the card. Yeah. yeah I, I really like this card. Thanks. So yeah, that was just my idea for Chen. I still really like uh, Hand of God. Like, well, okay, I still think Hand of God is a fine card. And if that's something to that they you know want to put on Chen, that's okay. But I think something needs to be done with his active ability. Anyway, Fair either enough. switch it to a card and give him a shorter uh, CD active of some sort or some kind of passive. I don't know. Oh, an even better Just, idea, dude! Give it quicken. No, the first, <laughs> quicken. the first, the first hero in the game to have dual signature cards. Dual signature. Yeah, so instead of having three copies, you have six copies. Okay. Because this hero comes with two of them. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I, I don't know if I want to play. That, that sounds yeah. like a nerf. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But yeah, that's my take on Chen. Oh, I had another okay. idea, too, before we move on. <laughs> Final right. one. Sure. sure. Right. To add even more mechanics. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> to follow the theme of Chen, when you take control of creeps of uh, in Dota, Ooh, gets they, more HP. they get bonus health, right? So you yeah. can kick I don't, I don't know the proper i don't know the proper terms i'm using the magic term you can kick your holy persuasion to give them health uh well no it would just mean that if you gain control of them they just get more health yeah and damage well no well, steven says if you want to if you want uh, to give them health, health you, you have to pay more mana yes because five mana to steal a creep it's already great right Pace but if, if you but if you paid five mana and they gain like four health that's kind of like insane right hmm. so you well, gotta you gotta four health. give it like plus plus three plus three or something you know but, but the thing is, giving a, giving a damage might be too broken. Is it, though? You take a melee creep, it becomes a 5-7. You don't think that's pretty good, right? We're pretty good. <laughs> All right, let, let's, uh, let's reel it back a bit. Okay, I'll go next. So a lot of my, my personal changes aren't as huge as what Sheila did, although I, I really like what she did. Um, I'm, I'm going to start with Sven. Okay. So Sven currently is more or less like a fringe playable in draft. And that's pretty much it, right? Nobody actually plays him anywhere else. Mm -hmm. And I think actually his ability is really, really nice. Unfortunately, I feel like God Strength is quite weak. Uh, God Strength currently reads 6 mana, modify a red hero with plus 4 attack. And it's a permanent plus 4, which is nice. But I feel like that's more of a 4 mana or 5 mana effect. Mm -hmm. And a 6 mana just doesn't do too much. So, and then I look back to Dota lore. Um, and in Dota, if you got Aghanims on Sven, which never actually really happens, and you, caught, you cast God Strength, then uh, your allied neighbors, in, in the case, also gets attack. So I was thinking maybe we could do something like that. So I would add, uh, modify Sven's allied neighbor with plus two attack, in addition to modify a red hero uh, with plus with four, four attacks. I think, so imagine, yeah. imagine a scenario where Sven is in the middle of two creeps, you cast God Strength, and your creeps next to you also gets. It makes sense, right? You see your leader going really buff. You, you get a little bit of inspiration as well. You know, you get a little bit stronger. I'm I'm okay with this change. It's not it's not too crazy, but it just makes it a little more viable because, like you said, God Strength is I hate really strength. really underwhelming. It's it very much feels like a dead card in yeah. your hand. Yeah. Unless yeah. you're, it's it's basically the same of it's it's, a, it's the same feeling as playing Keef, right? Fighting Instinct is a card you never really want to play unless you just like. Well, I got nothing else. It's better than Fighting Instinct. Yes, it's better than Fighting Instinct, but it's still one of those cards where you're just like, all right, I don't really have anything else to play, so I'm going to play this. Well, because I was looking at it, and it's basically you get 
four damage for six mana. And ideally, you want to use it on Sven, right? Because you also get the cleave damage. But I was looking at some of the other heroes and, like, thinking about, like, the value of attack to mana, you compare him to, like, Magnus, who um, can empower, I think it's at four mana, for plus three attack and plus three cleave. And that's a modifier. Like, it's permanent. And that's super strong, I think, compared to God's Strength. That's why you just run Sven and Mag together. Then you're Sven and Wow, it's almost like I'm playing Dota. <laughs> <laughs> the like, the other issue that Sven has is like you kind of just ignore him. Like right now, when you play him in the lane, it's like if you see a Sven in the lane, if you don't want to fight him, it's like okay, you're gonna hit for five, whatever. Hit for yeah. nine, that's that's not bad. But if if you change it to this new God Strength, all of a sudden she he kind of has a mini Sorla Con effect where like. Yeah, you could leave him alone for a bit, but not for too long because his creeps are getting pretty buff too. Right? Mm-hmm. You could, you know, push push a tower pretty fast. So yeah, okay. no, I actually think that's you a can you good can game. play him. Well, the thing here, the the other cool thing is, uh, you could play him with if if this was a change, you could play him in a red black aggro type of thing, and yeah. you modify the black heroes, and then you're just ganking with like. Well, then would you make thirteen it- damage? Oh. I was going to say, like, would you still keep it where uh, God Strength can only modify a red hero? I think so. I, I feel like uh, I don't want to change too much of the balance of the game. And it seems like red can only buff red stuff. So I'm going to keep it. As oh, no, no. I, I mean, that's that's what I meant. Uh, Just I saying, think... like, you're next to him. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So I had a Storm Spirit remake as well. I, I know that Steven does too. Yeah. Um, so my Storm Spirit is keeping pretty much everything to the same. Not not no many big changes. Except Overload. Um, so Overload currently is you cast a black card. I think it's black card, right? Not a spell. And yeah. Storm gets plus two attack until he attacks next. So you could actually see Storm attack, I don't know, for 8, 10, 12 pretty regularly. Yeah. Oh, just, just to clarify, it's until he attacks, right? So technically, if you were to have him in lane three, you get to lane three and then you ball lightning him into the first lane. It would yep. retain that in the next turn. And you Correct. still, yeah, okay, just to clarify. Yeah. Yeah, or if he's on lane one and you start casting spells on lane two and lane three, he gets the extra attack for the, the next following turn until mm-hmm. he finally attacks. Okay. Um, I think ball lining is super powerful as effect. And I would, a lot of times I would want to play Storm just for the ball lining card, but I feel mm-hmm. like his passive is really weak. So I want to change his passive to now, similar to Book of the Dead, where whenever you play a black card, it stores one charge onto overload. Um, and then when you click the, the overload button, you get to use all those charges. And for every charge, instead of plus two attack, it's plus one. Because plus two will be too strong in this case, where you're storing up all the attack. Yeah. So to balance it, I would say consume all the charges and Storm gets plus one attack for each charge until the end of the turn. Um, and, and the primary logic for this is that um, a lot of times, like he gets really, really strong, and then they, there's a melee creep in front of him, and he kind of feels like really bad. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I think this will make it a slightly better. It's less explosive as the current storm, but a bit more tactical. Yeah, I can see that. I have a quick question: Does he lose all his charges when he goes back to fountain? Yeah, it'd be yeah, no, right? no, no. It's, no. It retains until he attacks, no matter what. I kind, you know, kind of like Book of the Dead, right? Like. Just imagine Book of the Dead where the charges kind of just stays. Oh, okay. Hmm, okay. Um, I, I think it's more tactical, um, but just 
having the damage that he gets, I don't know if I really... Hmm. I suppose in most cases it's better. It's much better to be able to plan out when you can do the bonus damage than just having to use it or lose it. Basically. I mean, I might I might be balancing it just because how I like Storm being played. Like, I'm a very tactical player, so That's every true. time I could plan ahead, I want to. Yeah. Whereas I think... I think Steven kind of maybe likes the older ability more because you still want to hit for big numbers and go face and hit hard, right? Well, that's kind of the whole idea, right? So, I mean, I my, since we're on Stormstar, I might as well tell you what I thought. So I think okay. his biggest issue right now isn't isn't his overload. It's the fact that he's a 4-6. Okay. And because he's a 4-6, right, it makes him extremely useless in the first, I don't know, Actually, it kind of depends he on how your game. Rick's problem, yeah, he? he has a Rick's problem. Yeah, he's he's like really bad if you're losing, and he's easily replaced if like even if you're winning, right? Like you could be playing a mono black deck, and you probably would pick something like Bloodseeker over Storm Spirit because of how little Storm Spirit is able to contribute, and his best in, in that in those situations, his greatest contribution is. Uh, Ball Lightning, right? Ball Lightning is a really, really strong card. And once again, like you said, if he just gets blocked by a creep, he he either does nothing or he dies in two turns or three turns because he has six health. So I think um, if I was was to change Storm, I think I would just make a very, very simple change and just give him the the health change. Maybe make like... like, I think he needs more than one. I think I would make him like a four eight. Mm, I'm kind of wondering about that because if you make a mono black deck, there's a lot of cheap black cards you can use in the beginning of the game. Yes, but you... no, no, no. But that's that's the thing you have to think about. If you run a lot of cheap cards, uh-huh. you're going to run out of cards and you will lose the game. Who says you got to have forty cards in your deck, son? You can have more. <laughs> okay. All right. No, I'm just kidding. You don't have the card draw that Blue has, so I don't think it's as effective. It's 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 really not. I know this because I tried it. I was like, all right, I'm going to see if I can just empower Storm. I'm going to try a, a really low-costing deck to make it as strong as possible. And then it's like, by the end of turn four, I was like, okay, I have nothing in my hand now. Yeah. I've lost. I, I think the issue with that is it's more of a co- color identity thing than anything else, right? Because Black just seems like they should have less health point in general yes because it feels like everyone hits very hard and the only drawback to that color is lack of health so i'm personally a little reticent on on doing that but hey they just gave Bloodseeker one extra point of health so i mean you also think about it pa is a six eight too right that's well pa is more like a ten eight so let's calm down here exactly so i mean why can't storm be a four eight right it's not that big of a deal yeah maybe i feel like he would be like super top tier if you gave him eight health I think he would actually be incredibly high up. Alternatively, you can just go the Sheila route, just completely revamp it. You just follow. I mean, every Dota hero has like four to four to five abilities, depending on. Ball lighting is so cool, though. Yeah, ball, ball lighting is, is fine. Like right. Sick. So what I'm trying to say is, okay, if he has ball lightning and he has overload, what if you just uh, took away overload? Right. Let's say you took away overload. You made him a Bloodseeker four seven right kind of thing. And then you gave him a new active ability instead of a overload passive. What remnant? And you give him remnant. Yeah, deals. Uh, I don't know. No, no. Three no. damage. 
It's three damage too much? No, what you could do is you could have Remnant where you click it and it spawns a, like a Remnant creep. And then at end of turn, neighboring... it explodes and deals damage to neighboring. Uh, Ooh, that's like a blue, yeah. that's a blue sure. effect, dude, guys. So you guys are <laughs> sure. too crazy now. That's a blue card, not a black card. Hey, you know, damage? Hey, Storm Spirit is an intelligence hero. <laughs> that's true. Actually, Black does have AOE damage. Like, they have Chain Frost, they have yeah. Tinker. Uh, Tinker, yeah. 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 Yeah, I'm just saying. So something like that might be also pretty and good. it could be pure damage, too. Actually, like, you know what? I changed my mind. You know, like, if we gave him that Remnant ability, that's probably just better overall. I think Remnant it makes would it, be pretty sick. It, rem- it makes it very different. I, I don't want to say better or not. It's just completely different hero at that point, right? Like, you do... You, instead of going face, you're actually more, like, controlling. Well, here, yeah. here's why I would just go with better, right? No one plays him right now. If he had that change, would you try him? No, answer actually, is probably yes. Actually, yeah. having something like Remnant would be pretty synergistic too. Because say you have one empty combat slot, you summon your Remnant, fill up all the combat slots, then you can use your Ball Lightning to go into the empty slot and do damage directly Ooh. to the tower. Right? Look at that. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. There you go. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> and then uh, on set three, when they add Aghanim Sanctum, when he ball lightning, he leaves all remnants. Every empty spot that he flies past, just leave a remnant right there, dude. <laughs> kind of like Storm level 25. Ooh, yeah. perfect. All right. All right, Steven, you got any more changes? Uh, you can finish. Wait, did you have another one? You didn't have another one, huh? There was another one I uh, remembered. I think I was thinking about... Um, what was another hero that I actually kind of like? Oh, it was. I was thinking about Centaur, but I, don't, I didn't have anything great for it. I was think I was thinking of something like um, giving up his retaliate for something better because retaliate yeah, is kind of boring. Very boring. I yeah, it's very boring. It so is. I was I was thinking like, what can what can you do to make it so that double edge actually makes sense with well, with the hero? I mean, you can just give him like a, a enemy and neighbor stun that deals for damage. Stop, right. I, I feel like double edge if he's ability. You think you know, double like edge ability? Okay, that'd be fine. Like, I'd be fine with that. You, you activate it, you deal like three to them, and you take three yourself. What if you then or had... four, right? Well, all right. Here's my idea. I just came up with it. All right. So I was thinking about this hero, but I couldn't come up with any. But I just came up with something. So you change his ability to uh-huh. double edge. His signature card is now stampede. Okay. okay? I like stampede. where this is going. <laughs> stampede is a six mana card that gives every unit in the lane trample. I mean, that's mean siege? siege. No, no, no. It's not Siege. It's Trample. Okay, so Trample is okay. different. So let's say you gave every unit in the lane Trample. What this means is all your melee creeps have Trample now. If a melee creep is hitting a 2-4, it means that nothing happens to the tower because you're only doing two damage, right? But let's say you so have like MTG a... Trample? Like exactly say, MTG Trample? Yes, exactly. So let's say you had uh, a 40 damage storm in your lane and he's hitting a creep. That tower is dead. Okay, because the creep okay. is going to take four, and he's going to take thirty-six uh, power. I don't know if you can really have both siege and trample. It seems like a confusing difference in mechanics. Well, let's well, let's not call it trample. Let's just call it siege for the sake of easier discussion. Right. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to be like, yeah. here's the color real police already knocking. <laughs> okay, <laughs> red cannot have siege. Yeah, the only card that they have siege on is time of triumph, and that card is busted. By the way, like yes. that card is not balanced. By the way, see, a time of triumph used to not have siege when there was in testing phase and they're like oh yeah it didn't do anything so they add a siege only blacks get to have siege red does not get to have siege yeah sorry right. sorry to like go all police rules police on this, but. <laughs> but i mean it could do like uh like a slight damage and armor though because the idea is that you're like running over but and it also reduces the damage that you take 
Okay, what what about this stampede? It it's like six mana, right? It literally doesn't do anything except it allows every unit in that lane to have a blink dagger effect for that turn. No. You that can would blink be... melee creeps to no, other lanes. Uh, no way. You blink anything so, in that lane to other lanes. So I was thinking about that and I was like, you know what? From a UI standpoint, it would be such a nightmare for them to Forget create. Forget about the UI. We are we're dreaming right now, dude. <laughs> no, I mean, if no. we're dreaming, then I'm going with trample, dude. Nah, I think that's way too much. Because then all you do is you just like 40 a lane that the person's given up. And then, oh, what's that? Next turn, I'm just going to stampede it, blink them all into like the last lane and just like annihilate it or something. Dude, that's what Centaur does that's right now. what Centaur does. Stamp- he runs Stampede, you over. Don't I, yeah, no, he just runs I don't clip. Need- <laughs> I don't need red to also be like, you know. And, and, here, and here's why it's kind of balanced, right? Because your double edge is no longer a card. You can't be like, I'm going to stampede and triple double edge you, right? Because I would just do like 30 damage to your tower or something. But it's just your ability I, now. So. I think what stampede could do is it could have a forward charge effect where it redirects everybody to face tower. Ooh, okay. You know, Sheila's actually should get higher by Valve. Like everything she said <laughs> makes, no, but makes sense. But that's not, I, I thought about that too, but that's boring. That doesn't do anything. That's like, that that makes that that's like you were already assume under the assumption that you're. But I just... mean, red has a lot of redirectabilities. Like it's part of the color as well, you know. Okay, stampede is a mass new order, guys. Every unit <laughs> can now redirect <laughs> yeah. whatever they want. Okay. Okay, that doesn't that doesn't make any sense. All right. I, I would I would rather <laughs> I would rather give up on stampede the stampede idea and just put in hoofstomp. Right. Why don't we just put on hoof, hoof stomp? Nah, it's too lame. We're five big five mana, deal two damage. Hoof stomp is lame, dude. Hoof stomp is hella lame. Come on. Deal two damage to neighbors and stun them. Right. Rat does not need more AoE stun. They have plenty. <laughs> we talking about all they have is, is Tide Hunter and, and Sucker Beastmaster. Punch. Beastmaster isn't a stun, dude. It's just one person stun, not AoE stun. Yeah, it's even better. Maybe moving them away. Nah, dude. We, we are we are hella off topic. Okay. So before we move on to our next topic, I, I just want to briefly talk about the Replay tournament decklist because uh, it just got released. Uh, Replay is a tournament that's featuring 32 player, I believe, divided into eight groups of four. Including and, you! Including myself. I'm, I'm playing in it. And yeah. uh, the twist is everybody has to bring two decks and you have to win with both decks to to win. And as a result, we have 64 different decks. 64... Yeah, well, we say different decks. There's a lot of same decks. <laughs> well, um, you you said that they actually had a pretty extensive list for what you had to have to differentiate your two decks from each other. Yeah, so for example, you cannot bring two different versions of Red Green Ramp. One has like Drow and what other one has Lycan. Like you can't do that. Like it has to be like significantly different. I think the exact rule is you have to have two different heroes and some X number of different cards. I didn't really bother with that rules too much because I knew I wouldn't be bringing two decks that are that similar. I brought mm-hmm. essentially blue-green combo, and then I bought red-red-black aggro. So like I, I had nothing to worry about. Yeah, looking and at this I, list, you're like the only person playing it too. There's only two uh, of them. Yeah, there's only two blue-green combo players. Mm-hmm. I, I'm the only one. Um, but there were some super interesting decks I kind of want to briefly talk about. And if the viewer or the listeners are interested, they could check out the exact deck list. So Van Kelser brought a triple, or sorry, four blue and one green. Interesting. And the only, the green that he's playing is Rix. 
and he's playing Dunder Chad. So that's the nine mana oh. twenty five twenty five. So I, I guess it plays exactly like a mono blue where you're trying to blow people up. Uh-huh. And the idea is instead of using Bow of Damocles to finish, you're using Dunder Chat to finish, which to me honestly sounds infinitely inferior compared to Bow of Damocles. <laughs> but I have never actually tried the deck out, so it, it sounds really interesting. It comes so I'm out actually... one turn sooner, though, which is pretty good. Yes, it does come out one turn, one turn sooner. The other interesting thing to note about this deck is it does have three stars aligned as well, so. You're not only ramping into Thunderhide Alpha. Um, you could also ramp into uh, Thunder God's Wrath, or yeah, you can r- r- ramp into Thunder God Thunder God's Wrath. I don't know if that's like a big thing or anything, but um, it synergizes well with you know the Sanctum. So who knows? I, I mean, I yes, got you. Got to see how it works. Yeah, Stars Align plus Sanctum is definitely one of the strengths of the deck because you could you could just like ramp into a Thunder God and then Thunder God again with Sanctum in, in yeah. that turn. Mm. That's pretty strong. What is and then the oh sorry. No, uh, go ahead. I was gonna ask, what's your opinion about Thunder Hide Alpha versus Pack? Pack is always so I, I, I like Pack a bit more just because Thunder Hide, if it's blocked, it just doesn't do anything. You just like it a little bit more? I'm gonna go with <laughs> I like it a hundred times out of Unless you have times some kind of removal that could like guarantee it does damage. So I think in most case scenario, I I like the pack more. And I I think the only time we actually get to play with this card is in in draft, right? Yeah. In draft, pack is better because it comes out one turn sooner. And the difference between a 14 attack guy and a 25 attack guy is not that much, honestly. Like, it's it's big enough to kill most heroes or any heroes. And it it will kill people in about two turns anyways. Oh, actually, I I do have a question before you continue. Maybe this is actually an answer to ramp. Because yes, you, that's the thing. That's the thing. That, yes. That's what I was about to get to. It, it's so big here. It kills heroes. Yes. Twenty like 14-14 is actually not big enough against Time of Triumph. However, 25-25 is big against Time of Triumph. Interesting. The other thing that I think it, the Thunder Chat might be actually better here is that the Mono Blue deck is really good at removing things, removing blockers and heroes. It's not very good for pushing damage. So then I feel like the difference between 14-14 to 25-25 that numerical difference is significant because blue is so adept at removing stuff, but not good at pushing damage. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I feel like he's onto something here. Um, again, I'm gonna say I, I prefer the bolt of Damocles mm. version more, but I don't know. Like this, this is some new stuff that I've never seen before. So I'm mm-hmm. looking you forward know, to it. I'm kind of wondering why a deck like this might not use the new um, uh, cheating death, right? Why are you thinking about Annihilation cheating death in yeah. your alpha for free 25 damage? I mean, no, not necessarily, but because it's still, if you cheating death, oh, no, no, okay, it does work that way. But like, yes, I guess. But um, the other thing is just, you know, Annihilation's the best answer to Time of Triumph, right? Because it just clears them off the board. Um but it's still better for you to have your hero out so then you can try to recover during the time while those heroes are in the fountain. Because you can still build your board if you dust shield the hero and then start to play, you know, another creep or two. I think maybe if the deck ran more green heroes, right? It only has one green hero. It's very hard to cut for a card. I don't know. We could could ask Van Kelser himself, maybe. Well. Okay, so the other deck I want to draw a little bit of attention to is Petrify. 
Yes. You brought a black blue aggro deck. And actually, Steven, you have some experience with this, right? Because you, you try to build some sort well, of let me Let me look at it, and I'll tell you if it's similar to something I've done. I yeah, played I a... I played a uh, four black, one blue deck. Okay. These are the exact heroes, except not... Because I'm looking at his deck. There's no Ogre. I ran it So he ran he Bal- ran Ogre, Kana, and and PA, uh, Sorla, and Tinker. Mm. I like this deck. This uh, so this is this this deck is, um, even more aggressive than what I had, um, and this this deck is funny or is very entertaining because I say that his deck is more aggressive than mine, right? Even with mine being less aggressive, my game was decided in like three turns. So I'm pretty sure that this deck will also be decided in three or less turns. This is the kind of deck it is. Like, yeah, so I'm going to read out some of the quick cards so the view, uh, listener at home have some idea what we're talking about, right? There's three trebuchet, three lightning strike, three unsupervised artillery, three assault ladder. There's a disciple of Nevermore here. And then the blue cards, there's like dimensional portal, prey on the weak. It has like literally every aggressive card that's printed in Artifact. It has it all in here mm-hmm. in, in the two colors. And Petrify even tweeted about the deck. He said like, I don't remember if I'm a genius or I'm an idiot like for bringing this deck. <laughs> Nobody has actually really tried this. I mean, some has tried it in a closed beta, but yeah, back then none of us were really good at deck building. It's less refined and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a big cover un- until it's proven. I, I like. I feel like this deck, if it draws well, it will run people over. But also when it doesn't draw well, like can you imagine you, you uh, you're up against a red black aggro and you just lose out on the flop? I feel like you're just done at that point. Yes. So it, it's it's kind of very hit and miss, but very interesting. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, from my experience, I can tell you this is a very, very fun deck to play because it's not very stressful. It's it's going to end very quickly. That's what I feel like. It are is. a lot of the, either way. Yeah, are a lot of the red green ramp decks running um, improvement destruction cards? Like just a couple of smashes. Just a couple of smashes. Like two. I sometimes it even comes down to the player preference. Some yes. just run one. Sometimes run they run three. It's yeah. really up to the the player. Honestly, there's going to be so many improvements in this deck that I won't know which one they want to hit. I mean, a lot of the improvements that you're killing is not mana efficient, right? Trebuchet costs one. Yeah. Supervised artillery yeah. costs two. You're trading even against assault ladder, so you're you're, you're basically targeting march of the machines if you really want to yeah, remove that would good be the ones. Big one. I think yeah. ignite is also a good consideration, but right, you're, it's not something you really worry about too much. You need to run a uh, demolition versus this <laughs> dirty deeds. That's a that's a true counter. I don't even know it's a true counter. It's just like you're not gonna. I, I mean, this deck you're not gonna see any more than like three or four. So mm. unfortunately, yeah. I mean, funny enough, that's the most value you're gonna get out of dirty deeds anyway. So <laughs> yeah. okay, so I, I just want to draw a little attention to the the WePlay tournament. If you guys are interested to check out the deck list, you could check out WePlay's website. Or find it on your whatever artifact news outlet. Like on Reddit, there, there's a link to that. Yeah. Um, were, there any, uh, were there any other interesting decks? Um, okay, so I actually have the entire breakdown of all the decks. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking through the breakdown right now. and uh, Yeah. I mean, there's I'll, I'll, I'll talk about one Okay. that I saw. Uh, or sorry, two of them. So there's one where there's a four black, or sorry, four red, one black uh, aggro deck. It looks very aggressive. It's from okay. Shauna. It runs Axe, Bristle, Legion, 
and Tidehunter, and then they put it, it literally just splashes PA for three ganks and three coup de gras. Coup de gras. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. So this is this is like, um, and Eve. This is like a very similar version of the uh, red black aggro, right? The big difference is it runs Tidehunter, and this is kind of like, to me, this is like a really kind of like a really cool decision because the red black aggro, I don't think it has any initiative. Like I don't even think people run hip fire, right? Or maybe they run a couple uh, hip fire. Some some decks do. My, yeah, mine did. Yeah, I ran a couple of hip fires. And then now that you have uh, Tidehunter, you actually have a way to uh, take initiative for ganking, for calling, dueling, coup de grind, ravaging. This is actually a very interesting, uh, a very interesting take on the red black deck. Yeah, me. yeah. It, it looks like it's straight up out to get mono blue. Because gank is super good against mono blue, and initiative is super good against mono blue. If you park PA on lane one, and you just gank downstream, like they just cannot keep heroes alive. Mm. Yeah, um, that's that's very strong. The other interesting three of in the deck is that it's running three spot weakness, so that means that it's also very good fighting against other red decks. So mm. it, it has it has game against like a lot of different stuff, but it's I think primarily looking to to kill blue decks. Yeah. Um, this is by Shana, which I believe is a Chinese professional player. Um, luckily, Shana is not in my group because this deck <laughs> will poop all over me. Um, can you I, can I, you read the deck deck name? By the way, all these uh, lists have their customized names, and this one says Red Black, and then something something PA. Can you read it? I think that's a character for Che, right? Like, like Car. Che Jia PA. I I don't know. Huh. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just making words up now at this point. I'm too white for this. All right, I'm gonna. Right, well, I'm gonna. I'm gonna quickly uh, Google translate. Yeah, Google translate that shit. I I need to. I need to know what what they are uh, naming. Wait, how how can you even copy it? Hmm? Single. Single. Oh, like. Okay. So the PA. word is uh, dan. Oh, dan. Yes. Okay. So it's red, black, only PA. Yes. So it's literally. Red, black, very one literal. Yeah, <laughs> very literal. Very literal. Yeah. All right, I, I was hoping to draw some more insight from that, but uh, didn't really, didn't really happen. Dude, what if you googled it and it was like some art of war shit? That's <laughs> that would be hype as fuck, dude. Yo, I read that book. That was, uh, I have that book somewhere. I don't know where it is. No, All right. Any other interesting decks that you saw before we continue on? Uh, the last one is someone is playing mono black. Yes, from Doctor Hippie, without storm. Without Storm, but with yes. Bloodseeker. Hmm. And it is a uh, a mono-black economy deck. I'm not sure. Yes, I... it is an economy deck. because No, uh... I'm not saying I'm not sure if it is an economy deck. I just don't know if I like it. Isn't Payday like more reliable to have than the gold mines? Well, he's he's like all in on it because he's got both. He's got, he's got both. both. He's got three copies of Goldmine, three copies of Payday. I usually see people run one or the other though. No, well, you're more often to see Payday though. Well, okay, no, so no, here's if, the you're, thing. if you're playing economy, you're running both. You just run yeah. both. In in fact, some of some people actually don't even run Goldmine. I'm just trying to remember some of the decks I saw in the strength tournament, um, and I thought most people would just do Payday. Not as many people had Goldmines and Payday. Yes, it's also up to the players. Um, like, for example, the blue-black economy, some people don't run Goldmine. They just run mm. Payday because there's not enough 
space for something like Goldmine. Yeah. Not that you really, I, I didn't, I felt like you actually didn't really need it either because there's, uh, for the black, blue, black deck, there was so many ways to, yeah. to, uh, gain gold. I like the number of slays. You don't always see slays in the, uh, black decks. Yeah. Cause it rarely has the space to yeah. play it. Cause a lot of the black slots are very competitive. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mono black though, that has enough slots. I don't know if I like the top end because um, right now on the top end it's running it's running Lich and Sniper, so you're already you got six copies of seven mana cards already, and on top of that there's two more Steam cannons here. So I feel like uh, this deck could have draws where you just get your opening hand and you want to concede because you see like four seven mana cards or something. Uh, that brings up something that I wanted to mention at some point was that I think artifacts should have mulligan. Okay, kind of mulligan. That's Actually, awesome. this could be a good lead into your mailbag question. Do you want to? Let's, oh, let's get into that mailbag section. Yeah. Sure, we can. All right. So moving on, we got our first bit of fan mail. Oh my gosh, it's exciting. Uh, don't tell them the first. We actually we have received wow. out. Okay, I'm sorry. Eight thousand emails, um, but we just picked <laughs> the best one out of those. You're right. So, my apologies. Shout out to our, our emailer. So we got a message from Boss. Uh, saying that, hey, you know, I'm happy with the game. It keeps my brain occupied, even though I only get to play it once or twice a week, work and all that. It'd be interesting to talk about some of the unused mechanics in the game. So he's interested in charge counters. I mean, we can't move them around yet, and games are almost too short for them to matter. Also, healing towers. We can't go over 40 slash 80, meaning that it can't be developed proactively. Be interesting to hear your thoughts about what it would take for these effects to be relevant. Keep up the good work. Thanks. Boss. I was gonna say, why would you change his, his name? <laughs> so, so, sorry. You gotta go please, go with it. Please forgive me. He's space boss, dude. Base boss. <laughs> base boss. Uh, so yeah, so basically talking about charge counters, which there aren't too many cards that have charge counter mechanics. I think the most prevalent one is probably Book of the Dead, uh, in regards to like gaining and utilizing the charges. Also, yeah. you have March of the Machines, but that's pretty much just a three charge, use them or lose them. And um, what else? I think that's it, right? That's it. So right now, I think you can't do too much with charge counters. There needs to be more cards in future sets that either have counters um, and can then, you know, assign a value where you can move them around i don't so, know hmm. like ma- magic magic this is very good because magic has been around for forever so yeah. charge counter is definitely a keyword in there mm-hmm. where some cards generate charge counters for other cards or generate charge counter for itself yes and then some other cards spend charge counters so you could make some sort of synergistic deck where some some part of your deck generate counters some part of your deck use the the charge counter you could do something extraordinarily powerful mm-hmm. um some you have weaker cards like Book of the Dead where it generates and use charge counter on, on itself, but then the use is a lot more limited. Mm. Um, but I have to wonder because usually in Magic, um, any sort of buff that you give to a creature applies a charge counter to it, right? So you like you know add one plus one plus one counter to X creature, blah blah blah. You don't have that in Artifact. It's just a straight up modifier. So that already removes half of the charge counter mechanics that you might see i mean you could easily make an item that says like when you play uh i don't know just give me a random when you play sort of buffing right (laughs) 
Sword of Puffing yeah. comes with two charge counter. You can spend a charge counter to buff any other unit on the lane with plus two attack permanently. Right? That, that's a, that's true. That's an easy implementation of, of yeah. that. If you want to see more of that, I think I'm I'm really used to playing like red green uh, like mid range aggro decks in Magic, so I'm used to also having like token decks and whatnot. So I'm used to having uh, charge counters on creeps and then moving them around and back and forth and whatnot. Those are My lovely like hydras. Like plus one, plus one counters, right? Straight up. Yeah, yeah. Like Not even charge counters, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, you're right, you're right. I don't I'm, know. I'm mixing them up. Terminology. I, I don't know what, what the artifact would do with counters overall. I okay, feel like so... counters is just, just kind of a, a very clunky way to track things. Like, yeah. it's it exists because of magic. It's a paper game. But I don't think, like, in a digital format, I don't think you need counters. Actually, though, this kind of brings up or this uh, tracks back to one of the hero changes we were talking about, which would be the storm, yeah. right? Where you yeah. would want to add a charge counter to him for damage for using black cards. Never mind, charge counter is perfect. That's, uh, <laughs> that's yeah, okay. I mean, it's it's like it's really for storm is kind of simple, right? I think the issue with uh, there's like probably several reasons why charge counters aren't a thing yet. I'm pretty sure they will eventually introduce that kind of mechanic is a Richard Garfield game, right? I think there's a lot of ideas around, around charge counters, right? And I think the first main reason why there aren't charge counters is because the game is already pretty, pretty detailed, right? It's, it's actually, it's like, it's pretty in depth. It's not exactly an easy game. So adding even more things to keep track of, they probably were just like, okay, let's not, throw everything out there for the first set, right? Let's, hmm. let's just hold off on it. Like, hold off on newer mechanics. We'll save that for expansions, whatever. That's, like, my first assumption. Uh, <clears throat> the second one is, like you said, um, charge counters work best when there's synergy between them. Like, it's kind of dull for it to just be, like, a self-interacting card, right? Book of the Dead is, is fine. It's, like, just, like, a one thing only, right? So it's it's not a big deal if that's that's the case. But like, if there was like four to five cards that all did the same thing, where oh yeah, you just play this card, it gets charges for itself, and then you can use it at some point. You know, it's it's not exactly as as fun as if you were to have like you know a color that worked around it, and you're just like oh yeah, this is gonna be cool for like a charge deck, you know that kind of thing. So mm. I think like you want cards that either like move them around or count how many have yeah. done something. Yeah. Right now we have no way to interact with them. So yeah. No. Yeah. So I think I think right now um they're probably just focused on other things first. And then I think charge counters will work when they come in with an idea to implement it in a way where it's uh possible for it to be played in a very creative way and not have it like very straightforward like your example was like sort of buffing, right? That's yeah. like really, really straightforward. Very basic, yeah. yeah, very basic. They probably don't want that. They want it to be a little more um, intricate and detailed before they implement something like that. There That's was, my guess. there was the comment saying that games were almost too short for something like a charge counter mechanic to matter, um, and. I would almost want to agree with that, only in the sense that it makes me think of Tinker's March of the Machines, which is five mana cards, you generally play it a bit later. If you don't draw it, you know, it kind of gets way more useful as the game, or useless um, as the game goes on, because you're not going to make use of the charges. Game will most likely end before then. 
I, I think it really depends on what they print, right? If they print a, a yeah. card that says, you know, for every charge counter on this item, your tower gets one armor. All of a sudden, games can get like <laughs> really, really long. So I, I th- yeah. it really comes down to what they print. Yeah, it really, it really depends. Because like another example is like if it's something like every charge you store on this card deal three damage uh, to the tower when you use it, right? And then people are going to be like, all right, I'm going to make this deck where I'm going to play green and turtle for, I don't know, 20 turns so that this and kill them. This card just one-shots them, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So who knows what the game what You they know, are. speaking of items with charges, currently in, in Dota, there are items that do have charges, right? Bloodstone comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Urn comes to mind. I feel like a lot of these you could easily implement into Dota, right? Like just... Whenever That's there's true. a hero that dies in the lane, you get a charge, and you could do something with those charges. Mm-hmm. That's like a very simple implementation. Yeah. So the next topic that Boss brought up was healing towers, and in particular, overhealing towers and the lack of ability to do so. Um, I already have a lot to say about this one. Me too. Yeah. Okay, I'll let you guys go. <laughs> all right, here. All right, I'll, I'll start first. Here's my first issue with this. If there was a way to heal towers beyond 40 and 80, it can potentially make this game horrendous to play. Yeah. Because you could put you could potentially come up with a deck that would turtle so hard that it's just not fun for the person who's playing against it, right? You're clearly playing against someone who's just purposely making the game unplayable for you. Right. Yeah. Like who ca- like he doesn't care if he loses. He's just trying to like Okay, I disagree. Okay, okay. I disagree. And the same reason I'm disagreeing with you is the same reason why I don't think the game needs more healing, at least uh, overhealing above 40 or 80. It's the fact that this is a three-lane game. Like, turtling decks do exist. They're not very good, but they exist. Like, you know the yeah. Slack's 50 improvement deck? That's a turtling yeah. deck. Yeah. You will beat it, but it'll take you 16 turns to beat it, and you won't have fun with it. But you'll beat it eventually. And I think that's the same thing with the healing deck. Because what ends up happening is that if you see 10 improvement, or in this case, if you see 100 HP on another lane, you're like, okay, I'm bailing. I'm going to a different lane. It's the same same thing as, like, I see two heroes with Vesture of Tyrant here. I'm just not going to fight here. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that it's a three-lane game that it's not that big of a deal. So I feel like if Valve adds more healing cards in, in the game, they're just going to be unplayed, like Path of the Dreamer or what, what's the other healing card? uh restoration. restoration effort exactly nobody knows because yeah. restoration nobody plays and there's rose leaf rejuvenator and i think that's okay it. that's pretty good but it comes with a seven 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 so it's very different however however if they print a card that says heal all of your towers then then now we're talking but until they do that healing a single thing i don't think is very good well well once again it comes reason, down to what though, they right like there's a reason they don't have a lot of healing but and in particular, though, that doesn't address the idea of overhealing a tower or an ancient, right? No, You're it does. Overhe- it does. It does. Because it I think does. overhealing is unnecessary because if you overheal a tower to like 80, I'll just not push this lane. I'll just push other two lanes. And mm-hmm. well, to, to go to go beyond that, right? You're speaking from an experienced point of view, right? I'm speaking from like as if I was just playing, right? Like I'm a, let's say I'm a new player, right? And I encounter someone who's memeing and he makes this turtling deck. I don't. I don't know how to move, right? I don't know how to best deploy my 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 uh, my heroes, and even against an experienced player, like let's say someone who has this so-called overhealing deck, right, is is also an experienced player. Like, if you're gonna run away, what's stopping them from moving into your new lane and just turtling there too, right? 
so, mean, assuming assuming they associate the right cost, it's it's pretty hard to set up like you know eight healing things in a different lane, right? Yeah, but it's I mean we're, we're just theoretically, it is yeah. possible to make a game very unfun. That's that's the main thing I think is why they don't allow you to overheal. Okay, that's fair. Mm. Unless unless I'm going to go complete 180 on this, right? Okay. If they allow you to weaponize your life total. And what I mean by that is if they have a bunch uh, of cards that lets you sacrifice your life total to oh, like that'd be sick. draw 10 cards or deal 20 damage or double the damage that you sacrifice for your life total, then there's a meaning to actually heal. That'd, be, that'd be sick. Mm-hmm. That would be sick, right? But now we don't have those. So right now healing or overhealing is, I think, unnecessary. Yeah, okay. I'll agree with that. I think if they added some kind of... Um life weaponizing mechanic i'd be okay with being there being more healing or healing prominence but right now i don't think i want to see it at all in artifact you know valve should just hire me that's such a sick idea you have three different life total for three different lanes you know how much cool shit you could do if you could weaponize your life total <laughs> well the thing the one one the one one of the main reasons why it probably doesn't exist either is because i don't think there's anything that does that in dota that's probably why it's are you, uh, are you kidding me have you seen huskar no but like including towers dude like what do you what what thing in dota utilizes tower health to to ally to to aid you i don't know about tower health but i mean ogre can bloodlust the tower yeah but unfortunately in uh in artifact towers don't attack so yeah but what if they could that'd be kind of slap if you slap enough um what's that retaliate tower card (laughs) burning oil burning oil oil, they start attacking you know (laughs) yeah okay all right. Yeah. Well, that's going to do it for our mailbag. Thank you for the email. And of course, if you guys want to reach us, it is btsartichoke at gmail.com. Mm. We do get a ton of emails, so we'll, you know, we'll try to get to yours <laughs> when we have the time. But thank All you right. for sending them in. Is it my turn to shine? Yes, every cool? week. Nice. We've got a lore section for Sheila to talk to us about. Yeah, sorry, I didn't post it in the uh, document for you guys to look out. But I've talked about a few different storylines so far. I've talked about, you know, Faceless Void, uh, Jasper Circle, the Rumesque, and Necrophos. So I want to talk about a slightly more prominent one, which is Kana and Prelix. So, yeah. So, first off, uh, Prelix and Kana, mother and daughter. Prelix is the mother of Kana. She is also the priestess of the Radiant. Kana herself is the priestess of the Dire and has come so because she was born very frail and weak and trying to find power and become her own person went over to the Dire who offered her, you know, strength and power uh, to become her own person. And through it, she began to assumingly see that the Radiant was like a brainwashing cult of some kind. Whether or not they actually are, we'll have to see. Because we have basically she said versus she said (laughs) uh, in this situation. So in order to delve a bit deeper into Prelix and Kana, we have to have a little bit of backstory about what exactly the ancients are. So... Before the universe existed within Artifact, before yeah, yeah, we're getting pretty deep. So before there was anything, there was one being, which is basically a mind. (laughs) So there was an ancient primordial mind of infinite wisdom and power that existed. 
uh, at some point, this mind shattered and basically created, you know, their Big Bang, uh, which brought the universe into existence while fragments of itself were scattered across the cosmos. Two of those fragments were the Radiant and the Dire. And, you know, as per the background for one of the Dota characters, the Arc Warden, it quotes, two among its greater fragments who had come named the Radiant and Dire found themselves locked in vicious opposition and began twisting all of creation to serve their conflict. Wait, so you're saying there's a whole bunch of more fragments out there that could be just as large as... It's essentially like two galaxies, right? Like, and they're waging war against each other? Kind of. Bring it to real world scale. They're they're a bit more physical though because Zet the Arc Warden is a character within Dota and Zet is actually a third fragment of this primordial mind. Oh, so, wow. interesting. Wait, why is why is Zet so weak compared to? Well, there's a reason for that actually because Zet used almost all of its power to trap the Radiant and the Dire in what's called the Mad Moon. And it sent that giant rocky sphere to orbit around some, you know, random unknown world, which ends up being the world that Artifact and Dota take place in. So throughout the ages, Zet has been using its power to keep these two giant fragments that are warring with each other contained within the Mad Moon. But... Eventually, Zet starts to lose a lot of the power. You know, it's just being constantly drained. And there's a point where Zet's just too weak and there start to become cracks in the moon and eventually it will break apart. And that is when the Radiant come down and land onto the Earth. Wow, Zet, what a bro. (laughs) Yeah, So, um, so this is actually all... Uh, hinted at by Prelix. So if you don't have a background in Dota, you probably won't understand what she's talking about. But she, in her lore, references how she sees visions of a violent sky, a sundered moon, and an ancient voice that whispers, prepare for my arrival. And this is all preluding what will happen with the Mad Moon breaking apart and the two fragments crashing to the surface of their Earth. Um, is that so- I mean, the idea is that they basically twist everything onto their sides and then have them wage war with each other. So yeah, it's probably not the best thing. You can okay. already see it kind of taking effect with Kana and Prelix, you know, gathering allies amongst themselves and converting, you know, whoever they can to their cause. The thing about the Prelix and Kana storyline is there isn't too much meat to it yet. While Prelix and Kana tend to have a spotlight and like a lot of promotions and whatnot. There's still not much about their story unfolding. You just see mentions of them maybe bringing allies. For example, Earthshaker and Drow Ranger have aligned themselves with Kana for their own reasons. Um, Prelix is continuously mentioning, you know, building a stronghold to prepare for the ancient coming. And, Kana talks about wanting to, you know, slay all the dyers or the radiant zealots and, you know, bring the dire to the front and, you know, have everything ready for the dire when they arrive. But it's still kind of uh, in the background. You see a lot of radiant and dire creeps in artwork getting slain by various heroes, but there's no direct mention of them caring about their conflict yet 
outside of Drow and Earthshaker. So I think that their storyline is probably going to be the largest within Artifact, especially because it directly connects to Dota 2 in the strongest way. And we will see a lot more of them within the next few sets, but they're still not going to take precedence over like uh, Roseleaf. I feel like the next set is still also going to have a lot of Roseleaf within it because the conflict technically hasn't been resolved in set one. And it's going to probably evolve and involve a few more factions. But right now, we just kind of have to see where things go. Okay, well, the, the most important question is, yeah. Team Kana or Team Prowlix? You gotta you gotta settle that one here right now. <sighs> I don't know. Normally, I'm well, I'm totally Team Prowlix. And uh, the reason is because she's got some really cute, like, rock doggos that she takes care of and likes to walk around with. She's a milk. I, like I get it. What? <laughs> Kana? No, oh, that's Prelix. Oh, Prelix. you don't even know what you're talking no, you about. Said so. Prelix. You, said, oh, you said Prelix. Oh, I meant Kana. I'm sorry. Do you, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you don't even know what you're talking about. I was thinking about Kana, though. My heart I, I am uh, team Kana as well for a different reason. Dumb yeah. stats. 212. That's a huge butt, you know? Yeah. Not a lot of blue hero have that health, so I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna go with the the health. I'm gonna have to go with Kana as well because she is two twelve, like you said. Big fan of that makes playing blue a lot more enjoyable. Look at these guys being all about like the hard stats, not caring about the lore. Uh, I mean, I think that there's a lot more to the dire than meets the eye. Kana keeps talking about how. She, you know, really dislikes the Radiant. She feels like they're brainwashing, they're a cult, et cetera, et cetera. But it feels like she's kind of doing the same thing on her own. Whether or not she's brainwashing, I don't know. But she's promising people lots of power and the ability to give them that power. And I don't know if that's really true, if it's empty promises, or if that power comes at a cost that people aren't going to be happy with. You know, you know? At, at any cost... <laughs> Sorry, I'm I'm gonna quickly look if that actually has. No, it's Lena. Yeah, it's okay. got Lena. In it. I'm pretty sure it's a. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure in that one, it's got Crystal Maiden saying something like, "Yeah, my sister and I hate each other, but you know, if it came down to it, I'd want her on my side because she's you know because she's strong." Yeah. Oh, Lena in the next set confirmed. <laughs> she's been pretty prominent in a few artworks. I wouldn't be surprised if you see her. She's gonna have the the lion treatment. Treatment. Laguna Blade or turn cooldown. <laughs> Eight piercing damage. Wow. Quicken. 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 She won't even get quicken in the beginning. People will come play and then she's like, okay, all right, you can yeah, quicken. Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> all right. So that's going to conclude this episode of Autochoke. But before we close <laughs> out the episode, every week we rank some silly things for some silly ranking. This week, uh, Steven has suggested that we rank uh, the top three Persona 5 characters. I wish you guys gave me one more week. I'm in the middle of playing Persona 5 right now. Oh, no. I am I am on July 10th, so I don't think I've met all the characters yet. So it's okay. I gotta say, I'm gonna go with... Let me go first on this one, because you guys actually know more about the game. Well, we don't want to spoil it for you either, so I'm gonna be very yeah. be basic. Be very careful. With, uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna be very basic with how I name people. Okay, I'm I mean... gonna... Okay. I'm going to start, and then you guys can go with this. Okay, so number three, I got Ryoji 
which is the main character's best friend. Um, I gotta say, out of all the characters, so how the game works, if you guys haven't played it yet, is it's a standard RPG, you have party members and stuff like that, but one thing you can do outside of battle is you could talk to people around the city and make friends with them. And Ryoji is like the main character's best friend, and when you talk to them, you're given these like multiple choice options, and if you select the right one, they get like more happy. They get happier with you, and they, they rank up their relationship with you. Ryoji is the only character that I am like 100% on, on ever, like always picking the right thing to say. Okay, I just know my bro. <laughs> sometimes too well so i you know he's just on the list because he knows me and I know him uh number two i got shogi player i don't even know what her name is okay um she's very cute and i only talked to her twice I, i'm only like ranked two with her but she's just like super kawaii uh she plays this japanese board game called shogi and she's always imagining that she's like in the battle with with their like knights and dragons and shit. Ah, yes, I remember that. That was great. So I was like, "Wow, this character's pretty she's, pretty cute and pretty cool." Yeah, she's so funny because when you first talk to her, um, she's like really reserved and really shy. But then when you when she starts playing, she's like a t- totally different person, like you said. Yeah, yeah and she's classic. Start, yeah, she starts like role playing her pieces and that kind of stuff. It's actually really funny. Yeah. So. The other thing nice about Persona is that you have a lot of friends that you get to talk to. And I, I just can't wait the next time I get to... Like, generally, when I have an option to talk to the Shogi player compared to a, a different friend, I generally chose choose the Shogi player. So I can't wait to actually learn more about her. And then the last thing, uh, so far number one currently, is the town doctor. I call her the doctor with legs because she has the some legs. legs. Yeah. True. yeah. Uh, she... Her, I haven't completed her backstory yet, but you know she's just this like town doctor that has like a shady past, and she's trying to correct it. Mostly liking her on pure aesthetics alone, but uh, her story is picking up. No, she's a very good character and a, with a good good backstory. Yeah. That's I, awesome. I like her character a lot. Sheila. So my list. Um, okay, preface. I haven't played any of Persona Five, uh, but I watched Stephen play it when he streamed it uh, about a year ago. Um, so I have a pretty good grasp on most of the characters. I have actually never played any Persona games, period. Even though I played a lot of RPGs, um, but the only introduction I had to Persona in the past was the ye old Hi I'm Daisy Persona joke comics, which were pretty great. Um, by an artist that now goes by uh, GGDD. She does Cucumber Quest, which is a very great webcomic plug. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so my number three on the list is Sai uh, Nijima. Uh, she would have been a bit higher, but because of some... She's a bitch. <laughs> yeah, she's kind of uh, not great to her sister at some points, and I was kind of like unappealed by that. Um, but Overall, she's a pretty like well-rounded character. Like she should have her faults. Um, I just didn't. Like Damn those right, faults. she's well-rounded. Okay, I mean, <laughs> she she do got some. Um, she's a hottie. So I thought she was alright. Uh, second, I put Tae Takemi, uh, who is the underground doctor, also known as the Plague, I believe. Yes. Or Plague. Um, she's just a very funny, sarcastic kind of character, and I tend to like those the most. Because I like witty banter and I enjoy characters that will speak their minds a lot more. And you don't always find that in Japanese games. I, I do have to say, 
so when when like you you talk to her and the game gives you three options, right? Like mm-hmm. generally one of the options is like kind of assume the the girl's kind of weak and you need to protect her. Yeah. The other option is like, you know, let her do whatever and the other option is like she's strong and she's willful. I feel like the doctor with legs is how I'm calling her. She like she jumps around a lot. I, I find like I have a hard time connecting with her because sometimes she is the vulnerable character. Sometimes she is the super strong character. So I'm I'm having a tough time getting the right answers with her, personally. You know what that means, right? You're not meant to be. Mean? All right, <laughs> That's what it means. Uh, um, and then my number one is actually Makoto. So I did not think Makoto was all that great at first, but I ended up growing pretty fond of her. I... I'm not usually a big fan of people who are, like, super stuck up in the beginning and then, you know, turn out to have some kind of, like, deep caring inside. I don't know. I get tired of it. But I thought she was done pretty well and ended up not being that overbearing. And she's very cute to boot. So she was probably my favorite pick. I used to be more of an Anne fan. Because I tend to get a lot more attached to the first female character that's introduced in the game. Probably because you spend more time with her overall, so you get more attached. But Anne just kind of fell flat by the end for me. Excuse me. I still like her a lot. But... Anne was great. Anne was, the, Anne was the person who threw out the insulting jokes to Ryuji. That's true. That was, that was why Anne was so I funny. did like their dynamic a lot. Yes, their I dynamic great. is great. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's my list. I still like Anne a lot, but for the purposes of like a ranking list, these are my top three. Where do I start? Top three. I am the Persona 5 expert here. I have completed the game. I have waifu'd every character that was possible, except for one, maybe. So I, you know, it's I connect with everyone, so it's a little hard for me. But uh, I think... My uh, my first choice would have to be Coffee Daddy. Wait, Ooh. like top, top three, like from bottom up, or this is number one right now? No, no, number three. Okay, so number three is Coffee Daddy. He, he is a super cool character. Yes, so Coffee Daddy is a really good character. Sorry if I'm making you uncomfortable by calling him Coffee Daddy, but that's what we call him on my stream. So I'm gonna <laughs> go with that. He uh, he's a good character because. He starts off as very distant, right? Because he, you know, he's like, he thinks of you as someone uh, who was just pawned off to him. And he's just like, all right, family member, I got to take care of you, whatever. But as you start to get to know him better and better, you actually get to start to realize this. He's actually a very good person that just hasn't had the greatest, uh, you know, past, right? He's been... Haunted whoa, by whoa, no, no, no spoiler, please. I haven't got through. The well, this is very, very generic, so don't worry. Okay. You know, everyone's haunted by something. Okay. But, yeah, he's a he's a very good character. His, his development is very well done. Um, you know, uh, basically... yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, sorry. He he reminded me a lot of my dad. So my dad is a tsundere in real life, and I feel uh, like Coffee Daddy here is also a big tsundere. So like. Yeah, I'm that's a fair. I'm, de- I'm definitely vibing there uh, with Coffee Daddy here. Yeah, secretly a very, very kind person at heart, yeah. but very difficult to approach. That that's yeah. basically his character. So, yeah, so as you get to know him more and more, uh, he grows on you. 
So I like I like him a lot. Uh, my second favorite character, I am gonna have to go with uh, Sai as well. I just like Sai because it's like her character is great and all, but aesthetically, she's the best looking character to me. So I mean, I just had to go with. Her. Unfortunately, you know, well, I don't want to spoil anything, so I'll leave it at that. Yeah, so far Sai is ha- hasn't had the redemption arc yet. You know, she's just yeah. bad for me. Yeah. So I, I gotta wait. I'm just gonna put her at number two, just simply through uh, because of aesthetics. Okay. And I think at number one, I'm gonna have to go with Yusuke. I think Yusuke is my favorite character. One of my favorite. I, I don't know if I can put, safely say him at, he's at number one, but just to yeah, just to just to make mm-hmm. it simple, I'm gonna say Yusuke at number one. And the reason why is because his development is very like corny but it's very funny and relatable in a lot of ways because without spoiling on anything, his whole story is basically his journey uh, to find himself and to develop himself as an artist. And he does, it, it does it in a way where he's very like goofy about it, I guess. Like he's like, you know, talking about himself in third person and, you know, that kind of stuff. And um, it's a very good development and very relatable because I too am a growing artist. And I need to find myself. Excuse you, who's been working on artifact drawings for like the past month? That is all. Thank you. To me. (laughs) Do you remember that one? There's one quest that you, you and him went to like a church, to draw despair. Ah. And they're like striking super weird poses. Uh, You tried. You've already got got that gone to that part. Okay. Yeah. That is hilarious. That that's the one part of the game where it just got me cracked out laughing because of the poses they were making. Were you a bro and you you helped them? Of course, I'm nice. a bro, dude. Yeah, yeah. Um, man, there's just so many characters I want to talk to, but there's only so, so much time, so little time during the day, man. Yeah, it's you have to make me. your choices. You have to make your t- time as efficient as possible and your choices as carefully as possible. There, you can technically. Max everyone, but I think as a first playthrough, it's very difficult. Yeah, I am. Uh, you know, I'm making mistakes. I spent a, like an afternoon at the batting cages, and then regretted it. I'm like, what the fuck, batting cages? There's no waifus here. Should have been. Uh, Should have <laughs> no, been talking dude, all, to this all adds up, man. If you're building up parameters, it all adds up. So, okay, that will be the end of the podcast episode. Hope you guys had as much fun listening to it as we did making it for you guys. Until next time, we will have uh, the next episode of Autochoke. But that's it. You can follow myself at Luminous Inverse. And where can the lovely listeners follow you guys? You can follow me on Twitter at at InsertFail. And on Twitch, InsertFail. Very original i'm gonna start streaming soon actually i'm probably going to do some more art streams lately but what am i stream uh then you know we fight okay all right <laughs> so you can follow me at eos and dota on twitter you can also follow me on twitch.tv slash eos and trash i stream a lot of different things not just artifact but i stream dota as well as uh pride myself as a variety gamer because at, at heart i'm just a uh a big fan of games, so we'll go with you that. You streamed uh, Persona 5 a year ago. I know, I streamed Persona 5. Currently I streamed streaming... Currently streaming God of War. Yeah. Okay, well. Nice times. If you want to watch some non-dead games, uh, you could tune into <laughs> tune into Aelson's stream. Yeah. Alright, yeah. that's it, guys. We will see you next week.
Bye.